Welcome to Boobs, Booze, and Other Stuff, where no topic is taboo. Booze is on deck, and I keep it real, real interesting. Hey, 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 welcome to BBOS. Today I have a guest who speaks four different languages. Yes, Spanish, Portuguese, conversational Mandarin, ni hao, and of course, English. <laughs> yeah. He is a serial entrepreneur, a high-level outdoor adventurist, and that's understated, by the way, an author, a podcaster, and most <clears throat> importantly, and certainly above all, a devoted husband and father. That's for so sure. please welcome to the show, Brandon Hensinger. Welcome aboard. How are you? Thank you, you Don. Fantastic. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm, you know, we've tried many times to get this done, and I'm so glad that we're sitting here talking face-to-face -face today. So, well, face-to-face. -face. Heck Zoom, yeah, face three's a charm. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we finally got it worked out. I want to say we connected through IG, through a mutual friend, Zoe Wilson, who is lovely. And I started following you and your sweet family and kind of instantly got hooked on your positivity and your message. And of course, your videos are very uplifting. And they always, I will tell you, always galvanize me into action, which is great. Awesome. That's great. That's the whole point. So I'm glad to hear it. Heck Thanks. yeah. Well, you're doing it right. Believe me, I did some light recon or maybe not so light recon. I did all kinds of reading, trying to get as much background info as I could. Not stalker style, but just some background info. But yeah, uh, sure. you kind of strike me a little bit like a combo of maybe the musher and the lead sled dog. And as you know, the lead sled dog, that's the best position. Otherwise, your view never changes. And you're kind of that guy. And I know from everything you post, you pretty much have to have a changing view. But you're also the other half of that equation, which is you set the pace, keep things on track, lead in a positive way. And again, evidence by what you post and everything that I see. Now, I mentioned just in the intro, you're a serial entrepreneur. And what I read, you literally started this at a very young age. So what I'd kind of like to do is turn this whole floor over to you and kick it off with some background. And you feel free to start as early as you'd like. And maybe lead us up to Avrio Genetics, Sema Growth Solutions, sure. Stand on the Summit podcast. Kind of give us a snapshot of uh, Brandon Hensinger, if you will. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, well, I can say when I was one year old, no, just kidding. I'm not going to start back that far. I've always, always been very entrepreneurial, not necessarily from when I was a kid, like trying to find and start business ideas, but always trying to do something creative to accomplish something on my own. Like if somebody said something was impossible, I would always try to go out and do it. And that kind of set the tone for me when I was young to follow that mentality throughout the rest of my life. And my first business, though, that I ever started was called Edge Skateboard Company. And that was when I was 15. And I would say almost every business starts out of noticing a need that existed, whether it's in your life or in the people's lives that are immediately around you, and then going and doing something about it. I started skateboarding when I was 11. And a lot of friends that I skated with entered a lot of skate competitions in Pennsylvania and was like, it's all I did. It was my absolute passion. But there were a lot of things that my friends and I wanted to do, like have a sponsorship from a skateboard company so that we could go on like skateboard tours and like go do demos in different parking lots for people or enter contests that only sponsored skaters could enter. And we're like, well, we have to keep applying and trying to go in and get connected to all of these skateboard companies. But instead, I thought, well, why not just start one? Why not start my own skate company 
and sponsor all my friends. So I did. That's, that's what yeah. I started with. And I figured out in the library at school, I had to fill out a form to register the company as sole proprietorship back then and found a company in California that gave me blank skateboards. I used our high school's print shop to screen print the bottom of skateboards. And when I think back to it, I don't even know how I did it, but I sold skateboards all across the US in Canada. We had a small sponsored team. The boards were in all the skate shops in Eastern Pennsylvania. And that was really before the internet existed for doing this stuff. And so I think back to that, I'm like, I have no idea. I actually don't even remember anymore how people started finding <laughs> out what we were doing. But so I, I started that. And then that was really my first foray into starting a, a business. And then it always really became my passion that I wanted to start and run different companies. And so throughout college, I majored in outdoor leadership. It's like an experiential education program. It was organizational communication and outdoor leadership. And during that time, that's where I really got into rock climbing and outdoor adventure. And it's something that I was really drawn to it because, again, it was something where it's like you, know, you have to set your sights on a goal or on a mountain or the top of a cliff, whatever it is, and then overcome all these obstacles that you have to chase to get to it. And the adventure side of that really appealed to me because I loved the risk and I loved going out and doing things that really made me feel like I was accomplishing things. Plus, it also really helped me to always be present in the moment that I was in. And so I really thrived in those things. And yeah. And during that time, it got me really more and more focused on what it would take to face fear and overcome fears and difficulties that were in front of me. And after college, I moved to North Carolina. I got a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I moved there because I wanted to get out of Pennsylvania and go somewhere cool. And North Carolina had great beaches, great mountains, worked at Enterprise. <laughs> and my intention was to start my own outdoor adventure company there. And so I started a company called Ascent Adventure Consultants. And... Over mm -hmm. time, I grew it little by little in North Carolina, and we had it for years while working at Enterprise for a year. But during that time, I actually got recruited to join a startup pharmaceutical company because I was working at Enterprise, guiding climbing trips, but I needed income or else I would have been living out of my van and I didn't want to do that <laughs> or living out of my car. So yeah. I got recruited by a startup pharmaceutical company and really got a taste for medicine and I really loved it. I loved sales. I really thrived in that environment of like, oh man, I love going out and spending all day on the road, talking to doctors, selling these products and really gained a passion for sales at that point. Well, that company went under. They laid everybody off by voicemail, which was just horrific. I was like 22 years old and got a voicemail that my job was over. So no fun. Ouch. But I got recruited them to join a diagnostic laboratory that competed with LabCorp that was just starting up in North Carolina a company called Spectrum Laboratory. And there were mm -hmm. five of us that were hired to be the startup sales force. We created a company around service to make sure that doctors had personalized service for their laboratory needs, as opposed to just giving more and more testing. And in fact, we actually sent most of the samples to LabCorp to be tested, but we gained new customers by service so that doctors wanted to work with us solely because of the service aspect of it. And fast forward to 2013, Quest Diagnostics bought that company for several hundred million dollars. We're in 14 states and we had grown enormously. And yeah. we, after my time with them, after all that took place, I realized that I had this really unique opportunity where I had been part of a couple other smaller companies and then helped Spectrum grow to what it became. And there were so many other little laboratories out there that were trying to get started, including some international labs that were trying to expand in the US. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to go and work as a consultant and start my own consulting company. 
to do what we did with Spectrum Laboratory for these other small startup labs. So I got contracted by Beijing Genomics Institute to launch all of their clinical business in North and South America. And I worked with Natera to run their sales in North America, South America, the Caribbean, Australia, and South Africa. Then got contracted by Econ Genomics to launch their entire global organization out of Shanghai and throughout the world. And what I noticed there was that there were, and specifically that market was really focused on the reproductive health industry. And what I noticed mm-hmm. is as I was going around and talking to all these different organizations and all these different companies, there was a common thread that physicians, especially in the US, were frustrated that they couldn't have just one lab to do everything through, you know, for different types of testing right. throughout the IVF process. They'd have to go to different specialty labs because everybody was kind of like a one trick pony, more or less. So mm-hmm. I created Avrio initially to become that central point where no matter what type of testing a doctor was looking for, they could have one singular experience in one company that would offer everything, both from a technology perspective and a service perspective. So Avery mm-hmm. started out as a consulting company, but then we actually became our own reproductive health company to where we've formed partnerships with labs and people all over the world and really have made a conglomerate of the best of the best of IVF and reproductive health testing. And the intention there is to kind of grow those tentacles out through the world to still continue to find the best types of technology and services that we can offer through that lab. So with that said, there's been that common thread throughout my whole career of where I've loved helping people and I love helping businesses grow. That's really what I love to do. So I started SEMA Growth Solutions. SEMA means peak Mm -hmm. in Spanish. I started SEMA Growth Solutions with the intent to have a catalyst that I could help other businesses grow. And I have a team of 10 people that work for me there to really power all of the Mm -hmm. behind the scenes marketing and digital marketing ads, social media. And I created the organization to help whether it's healthcare clinics or local small businesses to grow, not just from building a business strategy, but to actually grow from a marketing perspective and to actually measure their ROI from those marketing efforts. So I started SEMA to not just help genetic laboratories, but to help any type of business, really. But most of my customers are in the healthcare world because that's where our specialty lies. And and then the Stand on the Summit program is designed to help people, help business people who are really Mm -hmm. struggling and feeling like they've lost that sense of adventure to regain their sense of adventure and then really learn how to grow both personally and professionally through the lens Mm -hmm. of adventure to try to help people see, like to learn from the experiences I've had, but then help empower them to do the same to accomplish their goals. So that was a whole long story, but I know you said start from the beginning and walk me through it. uh, (laughs) I did. (laughs) That's a great story because, you know, one thing, and I find this interesting. Now, my background, I'll give you a little backstory, not to talk about me, but I worked for Upjohn for a long time selling Xanax. So certainly understand sales. And, you know, of course, now that's Pfizer, right? Pfizer kind of took over everybody. (laughs) They took over a bunch. But so I certainly understand and I admire what you've done with that because I do understand the other side of that equation. So what people oftentimes want to know, and I'm sure you get this as a successful person, and maybe in your vernacular, like what they want to know is how the hell do you get to the summit? That's kind of the key. You know, people look at successful people and they think, well, gosh, how do they get there? Well, certainly you and I know it's not an accident. A lot of it's hard work. And I look at your videos and you give those little short clips, but they're highly insightful. They're to the point. Maybe the one common thing for me is they make you think. They make you think 100%. It's a little snippet, but it's enough to get the thinkerator thinking, you know, so they do make you think. But 
maybe people would benefit from knowing a few of the core habits that you feel like have led you to where you are? Yeah, that's a really great question. First, I just want to say you're right. A lot of times people would look at successful people, and me included. I mean, I look at other people who are way more successful than I am. And it's easy to think like, wow, they're so successful. It was easy for them, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that is always really important for me to remember, and I think it's important for everybody to remember, that anybody who's made it to the so-called summit, figuratively or literally, has gotten there by absolutely fighting for their lives to get there. It's never easy. It's it's a hard struggle. And and if you want to accomplish your goals, and you want to try to achieve what you're setting out to do, it's it's never easy. It's always a struggle. I've actually started 18 companies. And most of them failed. Because I just just didn't work out. But if I allowed those things to defeat me, I would never have been able to be successful the things I, I am doing. So it's always really important when you're trying to accomplish something to remember that anybody who's been successful, anybody who started a business has failed, some miserably, some slightly, but everybody's failed (laughs) at some point. And I think that it's a really important thing for people to remember. And the reason I say that is because it's a way to answer this question. I think the number one thing to do is just like if you were to train to go climb a mountain or try to go climb a big cliff, like you can't just show up at a mountain or show up at a cliff or if you're going to run a marathon, whatever is, you can't just show up if you haven't trained for it because you have to build strength. You have to build the endurance to get yourself to that point so you can actually achieve it. If you train yourself for that, like a marathon, climbing, a mountain, you train yourself, it's still going to be hard, but you trained yourself to be able to get through it and overcome those things. And so for me, business wise, it is extremely important that I stick with my own like business training plan or my own routine. I mean, I wake up at the same time every day. I, I start my day out by stretching. I, I write in my journal. I write down what my goals are, not just for the day, but I write down like what my long-term goals are. And I do it every day. And then I write down the specific steps for each of those goals that I'm going to do that day to get to where I need to be that day. So I try to stay disciplined and then I follow that routine. I also block out time on my own calendar for the work that I need to do to accomplish those goals. So that way my day isn't filled with other people's agendas for what I, they, other people want me to do. I actually have stuff on my calendar that is like, this is the time where I work on this, or this is the time where I work on that. And it keeps me disciplined right. to make sure that I have the time to do the things that I need to do. But I also, one of the lessons that I learned a, a while ago that have really has rang true with me is, a, I'm sure you're familiar with Tim Ferriss, but he has a TED talk where he mm-hmm. talks about fear setting instead yeah. of goal setting which is to write down all the fears that you have and then to write down what's the worst thing that would happen if any of those things occurred. And I do that like once a week or so because it helps me remember that if there's things that I fear, things that I'm stressed out about, whatever it might be, big or small, I can look back and think, you know, I've had these struggles in the past. I've had, you know, I faced these situations and look where things are now. And so maybe it's not a very direct way, like a super practical way completely to answer the question. But in reality, I think whatever it is, whatever kind of routines, whatever kind of practices you have to have in place to accomplish your goals, you have to just follow the routine and stick with it. Even if you don't want to do it, you have to stick with it because you know it's going to get you to where you need to be. And so I think that it's more of like a mindset and then establishing those routines will really help you get to do whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. 
Yeah, and that's a key point. It's a lot of its mindset. It's funny, I listened to you talk about, it might have been a, a type of a vlog where you talked about fears. And of course, 99% of the time, nothing even ever happens. We worry about, we borrow that's trouble, true. you know, we burn the bridge before we get to it. Yep. And I, I think there's different ways you can flex a risk muscle, but you're a guy built on your adventure, you do that. But so I know personally, you do it a fair bit. But how much would you say you still do that professionally, like flexing your risk muscle? Because you, you said you like a risk. Without juggling swords, how much do you, would you say you do that? Like real, like outdoor adventure stuff? Or do you mean like business? No, risks? no, no. I mean, professionally, like how much would you say in a professional setting, how oh. much do you risk? Well, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like you always have to be willing and some, some big risks, some small risks, but there's things that you, especially right now in the way that things are in today's world, like with COVID. Yeah. So with Avrio, we were getting to the point right before COVID where we were ready to launch some technologies that were the first in the world, some like ground, like, I mean, like earth shattering stuff that we were going to launch. Right. And then COVID hit and the whole fertility world stopped. Like it, it just yeah. like that. Yeah. So we really, really struggled in 2020 and 2021 was really challenging too. But there's two things I could have done. I could have been like, okay, well, mm -hmm. we have these few tests and services. We'll just keep this and we'll ride it out. Or, yeah. which is what I did, I thought, you know, let's try to create something new because we have to meet the demand because now people can't travel. People aren't going to go to doctors. People don't have the available cash. What can we do to meet people's yeah. needs at home? What can we do to really still serve this market in a different way? And there's right. several people that I work with as business partners where we formed some brand new ideas and took the risk in challenging some of the really big players in the market with what our ideas were. And it actually worked out really well. Yeah. But if that wouldn't have worked out, the whole company would have failed. And so yeah. every day, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to, it, it's more like taking calculated risks, but you have to be willing to look at something in the future and have just enough information to take action on it and do it and take that risk, yeah. knowing that based upon your knowledge, it'll work. And the worst thing to do is to sit and uh, have like the paralysis by analysis, right? Where you're just thinking, oh, okay, yeah. well, this is a good idea. Now, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, like yeah. you could plan all day, but yeah. then you're never going to get anywhere. And so I think it's really every day there's an element of risk of here's a new opportunity. I'm just going to go for it. And you have to keep going. So yeah, I, mean, I think there's elements of risk every day. And I think if there's days where there's zero risk to what you're doing, you're probably not trying hard enough, I think. <laughs> That's a fact. So often people, they friggin' aim all day long and they never pull the damn trigger. I mean, right. it's like, you've got to do it. I mean, in, in essence, I mean, I see people do it all the time. And I probably for years was guilty of that to some degree. But then you're right. You just sit and think, well, what is the worst thing that could happen? You know, if you do nothing, we already know how that plays out. <laughs> Another question before we kick into the other segment, the other half of this, is there or was there a point because you're obviously successful. Did you ever just all of a sudden think, dang, I'm successful? Like, have you ever thought that in your life? Or do you think that? Or do you feel like you still have just a ways to go? Or I mean, what's your mindset with that? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever looked at myself and thought, wow, I'm successful. I've definitely yeah. looked in different moments of my life and thought, wow, I actually did it. There's been yeah. definitely those yeah. comments of like, against all odds and everything I've been trying to do, like, wow, I actually did it. And yeah, that to me, I could care less what the outside world thinks about like, oh, wow, look at Brandon, he's successful. It's more about like mm -hmm. that I can actually look at myself and think, wow, I actually did it. So I'm successful mm -hmm. in my own eyes based upon the goals I've set for myself. But it's more along those lines of like, wow, proud of being mm -hmm. proud I of myself. Uh, that's really what it is. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I just wondered, you know, you always think about people sit back, do they ever wonder that like, hey, look, I'm kind of I'm getting there. I'm, I'm doing all the things. All right, yeah. let's shift gears into work-life balance. All right, so you wrote a book, The Alive Sales Rep, and right in the very front side or when you, you Google it, wherever it pops up, it's work to live, don't live to work. You also did like a little short, it might've been like a brief podcast where I think it was something to the effect of do successful people shower less or something like that. Like, so what yeah. do people cut? How do they get the work-life balance kind of thing? So I guess my question to you is how do you maintain the work-life balance? What's your secret to that? Oh man, I'm going to answer the question, and I, but I'm also speaking to myself at the same time <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to remind myself of these things. You know, it's interesting. I wrote that book in 2008, I think. So it was like, right, in the year 2010. And uh, it's crazy just how much has changed in the world since then. Because I go back and look at that book and think, like, it's before iPhones were around for a little bit, but there was not really much. People weren't really using social media a lot or anything like that when I wrote that. And, it's crazy just how much more demands there are on us nowadays. I think the real key things to maintaining a work-life balance is to realize that there's never going to be a complete balance. It's never going to be 50% personal things you want to do and 50% work. I think one of the keys to maintaining work-life balance is to do something that you actually are passionate about and enjoy doing. That makes a big difference because then you don't feel so torn between two worlds so like if I'm sitting and having a conversation with somebody out to dinner or something and somebody has I'm talking to you that's in the healthcare industry, for example, which happens pretty often, and I talk to them about what Avrio does, and we get into all these conversations about genetic testing and, and IVF, and then that turns into right. conversations about like, oh, well, I know this person and this doctor, and conversations can turn into business conversations. But to me, that stuff is actually really enjoyable because it kind of blends the personal and professional and that's easier said than done, though, because not everybody can go do what they want to do or be or have their passion be what their job actually is. But I think it's true for anybody, right. like you have to work in order to survive. And so therefore, you have to be able to find enjoyment in your work, no matter what it is. So whether yeah. you're a receptionist at an office, whether you're a, a truck driver, whether you're a CEO of a company, whether you're yeah. a school teacher an artist, a graphic designer, whatever it might be, you yeah. have to find enjoyment in what you're doing. And I think if you take time to really identify what those things are that you enjoy about it, your work-life balance or your perception of it becomes better because you actually start finding joy in mundane things that you might be stuck doing. But as a general principle, I think just like I was saying, you have to follow a routine to accomplish what you want to do professionally. You have to do the same thing personally. If you have goals, like you want to make sure you're working out, you make sure you're, you're training, make sure you spend time with your family, just like you're disciplined with work, you have to be disciplined with those things as well. You have to say like, I'm going to have this time in the morning where I'm going to you know, read and do something I enjoy doing. And it's on my calendar. This is my time. Or you have time, like I have date nights with my wife that, that we schedule to go out. So that way we have that time. There's things we all do as a family that we have booked as time that we spend together. And I think yeah. that you have to be just as disciplined with those things as you do professionally. And you begin to find some balance. And I think people often think that or people forget that you have to take just as much action in your personal life as you do in professional life to keep everything in balance. True. And so I think it's just you can't be passive about personal side. I think it's really important. And it's something I have to you know remind myself of constantly. I don't do it perfectly. That's for sure. I I work my butt off. And so I have to always remind myself <laughs> of the other side of things too. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, I think you actually kind of alluded to that. You made a post. A lot of people tend to have whatever their business model is, but they could take that. And if you applied it into a personal model, this is what you talked about. And like that really made me think it's something worthy to do because, you know, if you, if you put that kind of effort and energy into it, you can probably experience those similar successes, you know, because a lot of times we don't think about it in those terms, but I think that's smart to think about it that way. We don't necessarily always make that kind of plan. Yeah. Right. All right. We got to talk about your adventure side just for a second. Oh, gosh. I mean, I don't even know where to start. You've done so many cool things. I mean, the Kilimanjaro. I mean, what? I don't even know what you haven't done. But I saw you and Becky. And if we can just talk about her real quick before I make this other comment. But your wife is beautiful. You know this. She's stunning. I saw she the uh, I agree. USOA. <laughs> is that what is it? Let's see. United yeah. States of America pageantry. Yeah. I mean, the pictures yep. you posted, maybe if you'll allow us, we can put a picture of her in sure, here. But I mean, absolutely beautiful. Those were just wonderful pictures. And it was great to see she did so well in that. That's awesome. Yeah, she got but, second uh, And you know, it looked like you had a great time in Vegas. Heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But you guys were back to the outdoor side of it. You guys were in the Catskills ice climbing which I thought yeah. was so cool that you guys do stuff like that together. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It is awesome. And actually, yeah, doing all of that stuff together is phenomenal. You know, we've been married this August will be five years, but Becky was actually my first girlfriend when we were in Congrats. high school and we were when we were 14. So we've oh, known each other awesome. for, for <laughs> forever. And we right. went to different high schools. So when, when in high school, we broke up and didn't see each other for 20 years. And we both had got married, had kids, wow. and then both of us got divorced and ended up meeting back up when I was coming up here to visit my parents. And we met back up because we thought, you know, we introduced kids to each other, but we thought it was like, neither of us knew that the other person was single. We thought it was just like, we're meeting up with families mm -hmm. and ended up being like, well, wait, yeah. you're single now too. You're single now too. So we ended up dating for a couple <laughs> months and then got engaged. Like we got engaged two months later. I was actually in, in South Africa for work and I, I got her a ring there and flew back right. with the ring. I actually got mugged in South Africa with the engagement ring in my pocket and I had extra motivation to fight the dude off than I did, but, <laughs> but I got home. So yeah, so we got engaged, we got married in 2017 and we've been doing adventure stuff together the whole time. I actually Within a few months of us being together, I took Becky climbing on like a 1400 foot cliff in Red Rock Canyon in Nevada. It was her first time ever outdoor climbing. In wow. hindsight, I should have started her out easier, but she did it. Then she, <laughs> she was a triathlete. So then she got me into triathlons. Right. So it's actually, you can see all the stuff behind us is all the, the Ironmans that races. And I triathlons love it. That we've done. I love it. So she got me really into that. We got into climbing together. We uh, went to do Mount Kilimanjaro together in 2020, right before COVID hit. And she's never been ice wow. climbing. And so I actually, that trip to the Catskills was her introduction to ice climbing. And now we're, we're going to do it even more together. But that's an awesome sport. Super, super engaging. But uh, it's really fun to do all that stuff together. That is so cool. What a great story. I mean, that is a cool story. Didn't know any of that. So I'm enlightened over here, but that's awesome. I mean, but I, I just, I, I'm going to put your links and everything because I, I want to hopefully people will follow you and get just as inspired as I am. But let me ask Thank you this before we wrap it up here. Any cool adventures, adventure-wise or business-wise, planned for 2022? Actually, our big trip that we're planning, we're going to Ecuador in July. We're going to go climb Mount Cotopaxi in Ecuador. So it's just shy of 20,000 feet. It's uh, it's like 200 feet higher than Mount Kilimanjaro. So it's like 19,800 feet, I believe. So we're going to go climb that. It's a huge volcano. But to beforehand, to acclimatize and get used to it, we're going to do five other mountains. So we're going to do like a 
13,000 foot mountain, two 15,000 foot mountains, one 17,000 foot, and then another 18,000 foot all before doing the 19,000 foot one. So it's going to be like <laughs> 10 days of just like nonstop hustling up mountains. It's going to be pretty cool. So mm-hmm. that's our big trip for this summer. And then we're going to go to Rio for a few days just to chill out and, and relax after being on the mountains for so many days. So that's the big adventure yeah. for this summer. So it's going to be really cool. I cannot wait to see the chronicles of all this. Yeah, it's going to be neat. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Brandon, certainly for joining me on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed learning more about your life journey and what you're doing. You speak with a lot of passion and gratitude, I think, for kind of what you are and where you are in your life. And that's laudable as well. Hey, there's like never a dull moment in your stories and adventures. So again, I'm going to add all the links out there so people can follow along. Hey, you you. know, I always have a drink on my show. So uh, here's to standing on the summit, darling. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Awesome. Cheers. Thank you so much, Don. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. my next episode of boobs booze and other stuff where i vow to keep it real and real interesting